porn, glorious porn, <coughs> hot foxes and circles. Boy, I'm in the mood, and I want to show it. Okay, and... Did you spend time, like, actually thinking that up? <laughs> yes, I did. You, you, how much time did you spend <laughs> creating lyrics for that? <laughs> Only one shower session. I think that was pretty good. Like, I just was curious if you had thought about it. Yes, I wanted to actually finish the whole entire thing, but I'm like... <sighs> you know, that song reminds me of that scene from that movie when you it's the first thing you see in the great movie right at Disney World where they're all dancing on that big cake the food glorious food yeah isn't that I, I feel like they're connected I don't know enough about old movies something just introduce us just do the introduction so it's season 6 episode 14 the dirty and the sinful yay yeah. the topic today if you haven't guessed already is porn I want to take you to school for how to write clever titles I feel like you could work on it Oh, I did that. No, I. I didn't. The write that. topic. No, the dirty and the sinful. You. That's really stupid. You could have called it like the internet. The, We're doing it about the internet. You could have called it like the dark star hall or something, but because the internet is really, really great. There you go. Somebody, somebody, somebody shouted it. Come on, thank you. Ah, <sighs> so. What? I didn't fail. I love Avenue Q. It's Introduce me already. Damn. So that's Tugs. Hi, Tugs. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How that... long have you been sober? <laughs> Too long. Okay. <laughs> that's Rue. Hi. He's a fox. Yay. I'm a fox. I, I like how we're doing this in the wrong order. Rue, what have you been up to? Well, I've been up to a lot, a lot of stuff, as you can see. Uh, a lot. Yeah, you have nothing there. You literally have what he does. Actually, is he's <laughs> he's actually a sex doll. I keep and what? And when if, when we're done, our audience that I'm a sex doll. And when I'm done with him, meaning I'm done with the show, I just I turn him off and then oh, I charge him, and then I I turned him back on right before the show. Well, so God, that's why he hasn't been up well, to anything. God damn it, Tugs! You can clean me out once in a while. No, like, I like to keep my gum in there while it's nice and fresh. Uh, my my dry lips are a little bit scuzzy. You need to clean them out. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so I have had lots of changes at work, and Experience. I don't want to go into too many details. Let's just say somebody that was my director got removed, and so. Yay! I've been super busy with work and life stuff happening. So I've been playing lots of Breath of the Wild. Oh, gasp! I talked about video games, but uh, let me tell you, I think that we it talked deserves... about this last time we recorded. It's cool. Ah, uh, yeah, it deserves that ten out of ten. It's cool. I've been enjoying the Switch so far. It is not a ten out of ten, but it's like a nine point nine out of ten. Mm, I'm okay it's not with perfect. the ten out of it's ten. It's not perfect. You're right. You're right. There are some things that, that they I, could improve I, on. I have given it lots of thought. I think what they really need the most, they need a lot of things. But they're little things, right? We can all agree on that. I really want to have a quick outfit option. Please let me have three different outfits I could just quickly switch to. Having to spend 500 button presses to switch between outfits is annoying. And oh, I, I the temperature trip. changed. Oh, you need, you're dying. You right. Need to... Like, it's a, it's a thing you have to care about more than you think, especially once you can start fast traveling rapidly all over. Just, I, they could patch that in. All you know, I want to do what, is have three preset outfits I can change. What I find annoying is I wish that there was a button, some button that allows you to 
drop your weapon. I know that they have the throw. I guess that's considered the drop. Yeah, but you can't drop anything weapon. else. Rapidly. But I but I would like to just make it so that it's very easy to be like, okay, all right, I have to pick up this shit. I don't want to have to go in to the menu to pick the things that I need to drop. Like, well, lucky for you, when the Switch Two comes out, you can buy Breath of the Wild Deluxe. Oh my god! <laughs> and it will have all the things you that we're talking about. You know that they're about. gonna do that. Yeah. Anywho, what have you been up to, Mister Tugs? I'm going to blow your mind, but I'm but I'm not going to blow it as as hard as I wanted. Uh, and that is I. Ha- so I have three games for the Switch. I have Breath of the Wild, which of course everyone is playing right now. Um, I have Bomberman because Bomberman, but I also bought Binding of Isaac. Really? Yes. Are you serious? Yes. I, I did buy it despite my giving you a hard time. I wanted to make my point, which is just because I give you a hard time doesn't mean I'm not willing to ever reconsider my opinions. And yes, I spent my 40 bucks on it. So no one gave it to me. I haven't actually played it yet though, because I'm too busy playing Breath of the Wild, but it is on my system. So I took the first step. Cool. I I hope you enjoy it. I'm just saying, world. I can I can change my opinions. Uh, other things. If you notice, we delayed our uh, this episode because emergencies. Uh, people were in the hospital all over the place. Sorry, life happens to the best of us. Yeah. Uh, the last thing of interest. Would you stop fiddling with your... But I got mail. You go up and get your mail later. Oh, we're I doing mean, the show but, now, but, Mr. McFeely. But, but, but it, this is for... Th- from a fan i mean listener whatever listener. i'm not even gonna finish open it okay oh no you can finish no it's fine open it what open up hell i know i know uh so moss sent me a lovely image well a drawing that he made for me and it's very cute of rue and it, it's very well done so thank you so much moss i appreciate it Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Well, Firebreath, I am ready today. And here's our cookie. Alright, so the cookie for today says... Pro tip. Having sex with your boss is a great way to get a promotion in bed with a cookie. What if you're your own boss? Well, having sex with yourself? I don't know. It's called masturbation. Well, you can have sex with the IRS. That's the What the actual fuck does that mean? I don't know. Like, Have sex with the IRS. Well, they're already fucking you, so... I don't know. <laughs> I was going to hit the, the whoosh, but before I hit the whoosh... Yes, I really did eat that fortune a couple episodes ago. Like people were wondering if I really ate it. I really ate it, and yeah, I really turned it into stool. It was really the most shitty fortune ever. That was that was terrible. I don't. So I even, turned it into I shit. I don't even want to repeat it. If you want to know what we're talking about, what episodes do they uh, need to I look at? I don't even know. It was like two or three ago. Uh, the point is, yeah, I really did eat that fortune. Just saying. <laughs> It's the plumber. Plumber? I didn't call a plumber. Plumber. 
and clever to welcome people back with this time. So welcome back. That was very clever. If you'd clever. like to make a donation to For What It's Worth, we'd like to encourage you to find your local NPR station, turn it off, and then go to patreon.com slash fwiw and give us your money. This episode is getting It's provided by MailChimp. Okay, so today we have a wonderful episode. We are going to be talking about, oh, let's see. We're going to be talking about body image. Yeah, I love images of bodies. Lots of those. You know how well that episode turned out. We got absolutely no emails from you guys. And then all of a sudden, we ended up posting that we are going to do a porn episode. And we've never seen our mailbag so full. I'm not kidding. Like... I'm, my phone will finally not have a number that's above 80 on the email <laughs> counter. Don't ask why I have 80 unread emails all the time. But seriously, like, do you, you keep the show email on your phone too, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, and like, it's like it gets, it builds up before an episode. Sounds like a porno. And then like we do an episode and it releases all those emails back out into the wild and the number goes down. But it was like, wow, that's a huge number. So this is the very first time. I mean, we've we've edited down emails before, but unfortunately, we can't get to everybody's and er- everything that everybody said. So unfortunately, some of your emails may be edited down just for time restraints. So please, I hope you understand. So we are joined by our wonderful, esteemed guest that knows everything about the wonderful topic of pornography. <laughs> Fenric. That's, uh, that's a little too gracious. Please say hello. <laughs> hello, everyone. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What are you? And why are you like, I don't know. Why are you? Why there am you I go. so raunchy? I don't know. Is, is that your question? Well, why are you into porn? <laughs> well, I've been in the furry fandom for over a decade and... It was definitely porn that had brought me into it. Um, something I had discovered while I was in middle school. And uh, it's just been a big part of the furry fandom as I see it. So it's always been something that stuck around. Okay. Um, tell us. That was such a neat little packaged answer. Yeah, I liked it. I know. It was really good. <laughs> it was very short and simple. Um so tell us a little bit about you. Your persona. Your sur- persona. Your surfona. Am I? Your surfona. <laughs> tell us about your surfona. Hey, surfona. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, Fenric is a three-tailed kitsune. Okay. Uh, Japanese mythological creature. And um, it's kind of just been my go-to. You know, I've had him since the beginning. Only making minor changes here or there, you know, whatever suited my personality at the time. So, is there anything else that you're involved in in the fandom? Uh, well, I host a Tumblr with 1.5 thousand followers, and uh, and is this like just like post your cat video? I mean, no, cat no, picture no. Templar? Post no. your cat video. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not one of those. Um, most of it is uh, porn. I do have a safer work side blog, but that's just more of a... I find funny things I want to save for later. Um, my porn blog is uh, kitsukami.tumblr.com. 
Okay. You got to spell that. You, you just I do, gotta. don't I? Uh, K-I-T-S-U-K-A-M-I. And um, I've been running it for about four years now. Most of it's fairly simple. It's just things that I end up finding that I like. Um, usually that includes uh, bigger guys, be it musculature or curvature. And, um, and people just seem to have enjoyed it. So it's something that I've just continued. So there's some people out there, like Tugs, that don't know what Tumblr is. Okay. What the actual <laughs> fuck again? <laughs> so please help us to understand what Tumblr is. Uh, well, basically, it's just a blog share site. You, um, you run a blog. You can make text posts, video posts, photo posts, much like anything you'd find in any other social media. But it gives you the option of um, sharing other people's content on your own personal blog and spreading it out, connecting these blogs infinitesimally. Would you say that Telegram is mostly for images, like uh, sharing lots of images? It does seem to be quite a, quite a standard to the Tumblr experience, mm-hmm. um, mostly just memes and short little text posts, you know, that normal things that you'd find anywhere else. It's just a, just kind of a collective of ideas. And yes, there's quite a lot of porn. Lots and lots of porn. Koru. Because isn't that what's the internet for? I mean, isn't that what the internet is for? There you go. The, the internet's for Koru. <laughs> just so everyone knows, Koru's actually sitting on the audience couch till we bring him in since he's late. So. <laughs> oh. oh, you know what we forgot to say is that we wanted to thank Phoenix the Fox for today's topic idea. See, we do take suggestions. <clears throat> so please send us more suggestions yes. because we would absolutely love to hear from it because we are out of ideas. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So we're out of ideas. <laughs> All right. So so you you love Tumblr apparently is what I'm getting. Now, how do you uh how else do you interact with the porn? <laughs> are you talking yes. physically? Well, uh, well, no. How do you how do you how do you get your porn? First of all, like, do you just you just reblog stuff on Tumblr? New stuff has to get put into Tumblr somewhere. Oh no, do you put stuff new stuff in Tumblr, or do you just get other people's new stuff? Well, uh, for my blog personally, uh, a lot of it is just reblogs from other uh, like-minded people. Um, I have talked to directly a couple of artists through uh, Fur Affinity through Ink Bunny. And they've given me permission to post directly from my blog their images. Um, A while back, I posted an image from one of my favorite artists. And after I did, I almost immediately regretted it. Um, His post absolutely blew up. It got over four, five thousand likes and reblogs within two months my phone was going absolutely insane because I forgot to turn off email notifications. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't want to say that I regret it. Just I wish I had handled it differently. <laughs> Sounds like fun. That's like, that's like when we posted that we were going to have this porn episode and then all of a sudden everybody was like, oh my goodness, right. I have to send right. emails, which I'm 100% grateful for your emails. But then body image, I, I'm not going to get over that, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> body image is crickets. 
They're, it's not important. Literally, it's just a bunch of crickets. Yeah, totally. So, porn. Hmm. What is porn? How do you define porn? Your definition. My definition of porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it, it's kind of hard to put a beat on it, honestly, because you do have things like tasteful art in the media. I, I think pornographic images are either things of a subject matter that is meant to be sexualized or things that people commonly sexualize. Okay. Go ahead. I'm trying to get this to actually speak it, but it didn't work. I was going to have Majel, Google's assistant, tell us what porn is according to the official definition. Mm. So here's the official definition from various sources. Pornography. Thank you. That's very helpful, Google. Two, television programs, magazines, like for what it's worth, apparently, books, etc., that are regarded as emphasizing the sensuous or sensational aspects of a non-sexual object and stimulating a compulsive interest in their audience. A thrilling throwback to the golden age of disaster movies. Weather porn of the highest order. Could also be an adjective. Pornographic, like a porn video. Now, over time, porn was in use not too much, but a little bit in the early 1800s. Fell off by about 1850, but it really started to take off in about 1960 and is just common nomenclature today. This has been your word of the day. Awesome. <laughs> How so, was that? <laughs> porn and history. Like, not history. Wow. That. <laughs> porn and history. No, porn and art versus art. You know, um, when it comes to like figure drawing classes that you take in college okay usually what happens is they have unless you go to byu um they have naked models that come in right and they're they draw the you know is that porn or is that art you know or you know like the michelangelo statue or whatever is that porn or is that art you know what is the difference within the furry fandom most of these are character drawn you know is this art or is it porn or is is real life porn like pictures of people is that actually porn okay okay so it's a little bit of a deep subject uh well to start off with i think that you say figure drawers and everything um i don't believe that that can be construed as pornographic I do believe in the beauty of the human form, and I do believe that that is art in its purest because it's completely revealing of somebody's character. And I just can't see how it can truly be sexualized. So what if it was two figure drawings that were actually, you know, having sex? I I still feel the same way about it. Um, you can have a, a s- inherently sexual situation that is done tastefully. So you're arguing then that a lot of it has to do with the intent of how it is to be consumed? Yes, definitely. That's fair. Because I don't think... Stat- Statue David is nude? Isn't, isn't he one of the nudes? Anyways, those, like yes. Michelangelo, like he he did that, I think, or whoever did it. Um, he didn't intend for people to go and whack off to it, right? No, actually, uh, I did a lot of research about Greek statues. Um, 
the reason why they have uh, such hilariously undersized genitalia on Greek statues was to draw away from the sexuality of that person and focus more on the characteristics, why that person was important to their culture. In fact, in uh, Greek culture, and Greek theater, uh, whenever they would cast a villain, the villains would have massively oversized genitalia because they saw it as something of a foolish thing to be. Um, kind of like a representation of their ego. You know, the, the bigger their genitalia, the more ridiculous, the more stupid, the more humorously inept that person was. So whenever you see any Greek or Roman statues and they have the, you know, less than modest genitalia size, it's for that reason. It's to draw away from any kind of inherent sexuality of that subject. Have you actually gone to Greece and checked, though? (laughs) (laughs) I, I sad to say I haven't, no. So why do you feel like people view pornography this is a serious question mm-hmm. um well <laughs> i like your reaction like it's first an- of all who doesn't like porn i mean i have met some people jesus. oh of course jesus of course <laughs> sorry <laughs> Ra- well, raptor okay. raptor jesus put, the, like put this in context though right so you, you do live in a state where apparently porn is some kind of a health crisis According to the law. You know, it's only seen as a health crisis is because so many people in this state were so sheltered away from the rest of the world. I mean, and I'm definitely not going to get any further into a religious topic here. <laughs> Why not? Because I have seen what kind of riots it can incite. Um, with Mormonism being such a strong presence in this state, people were sheltered away from things like that. And I feel that a lot of people repress their sexuality. I mean, over the years, even if you look at things like Google Analytics, you can see that people for years and years and years in Utah were the highest consumers of pornographic media. And I think also for that same reason, um, we had the highest percentage of uh, people feeling happy with their lives. And I think a lot of that repression is starting to melt away now. A lot of um, the newer generations that are being born into the state or coming in from other states are starting to see that this is less and less of an issue while the older generations look down on it because of how they've had to grow up Mm -hmm. and how they've had to deal with any kind of media like that. So I, I feel that it's not an issue of the generation. It, it's more of how they had to deal with this kind of... I'm going in circles here. <laughs> no, no. No, I, no, I, no right you're on. going somewhere, but I do have another question for you. Oh, okay. So um, do you feel like that... I mean, I, like, for instance, the other day, I was passing my co-worker's car and they were looking um, at porn in the car no no no, no. <laughs> they have a bumper sticker that says porn hurts love <clears throat> porn hurts true true love i i don't believe so no i've actually i've actually seen studies where uh 
men who frequently consume any kind of pornographic media are actually living more healthier, more fulfilled relationships with their partners. Well, do you feel like that that's a form of, I mean, I know I'm going very hypothetical and I apologize. No, it's okay. It's okay. But um, do you feel like that it's a form of cheating? So somebody has a, a wife, let's just say, okay. and they are viewing um, pornography. Okay. I mean, is that cheating on your wife? I do not believe so. No. Um, in very much the same way you could infer that playing a video game where you go around and kill people makes you a mass murderer. Uh, I feel that pornographic content is a way for people to express themselves. It's a way for them to live out fantasies, especially say in the furry fandom where such fantasies are so outlandish. It's really the only way that those kind of fantasies can be lived out. So we have a lot of emails and Mm -hmm. we will try and read as many as we can. So I'll take this first one here from Anana Dog. says, I actually discovered the furry fandom while looking for porn. Granted, it wasn't furry porn, but the kind of thing that squicks even furries. I discovered the art of Klaus Doberman and was enamored, Mm -hmm. even though I didn't know what furries were or that this was furry art. Still, lots of my favorite cartoon characters boinking it. I was way down. I'm not sure how the jump happened, but I found myself on a webcomic ring that featured a comic called Leon and Kay, and that was the first bit of art that I knew of as furry. I was a little obsessed with the comic and the artist's other work. When I followed her link trails to DeviantArt, I found a mess of other furry work. Klaus Doberman also introduced me to gay porn. Mm. For most of my teens, human gay porn just didn't work for me. The people were kind of gross to me, and a lot of it was funny because of the noises and the pretenses, but furry was an aesthetic I could use to explore dude-on-dude erotica freely. It allowed me to open up to homosexual tendencies while also allowing me some space to claim some semblance of heterosexuality because I could only fap to dudes fucking if they were dog dudes. Once Google got a bit better... Once Google got a bit better, that's for sure. I found Foxfire, and I really delved into the gay porn bonanza with him. It seems so tame looking at it now, but I spent a lot of evenings fapping on that site. Gay was still taboo and new, so even the most vanilla depictions of a dog dude nutting a cat dude really did it for me. Mm. Eventually, I traced a lot of my fascination with gay furry porn back to my childhood, and realized all of my quasi-sexual experiences have been with other guys. It was kind of inevitable I'd come to identify as bisexual, and eventually with a male-leaning preference. Klaus Doberman seemed to disappear from the internet for some years, but I found him again a couple of years back. Porno nostalgia. Is that a thing? Can you imagine waiting for porn nowadays? Watching JPEGs load layer by layer is not something I'll miss. Exploring my sexuality through furry helped me gain a healthier, more sex-positive perspective. I became much more empathetic towards sexual issues and identities. Overall, I think porning it up was a net positive. If I could go back now and redo it, I just want to be less confused and less ashamed as I explored. Yours truly, Klaus Dolberman. No, a dog that barks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's actually let's just do these in batches because we've got so many. So, okay. someone, sure. uh, let's give this. Let's give this to Voss. Blaze. All right, so I guess I'm going to do Blaze. Did we tell people that Voss was here? Nope, I am a mystery. Hi, Voss. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Hi, I'm a mystery man. Okay. From Blaze. Hello, cast of For What It's Worth. I am Blaze 
a wolf with black and gray fur and bloom colored markings. This is my first time riding in, so I'm a little nervous about it. And go figure, I picked the most lewd topic out there to do so. I've been part of the fandom for roughly 10 to 11 years. I honestly can't remember which have yet to go to any cons and have not really gotten involved in the community much. Then I found the podcast. Yay! So thanks to you guys for helping me realize I'm not in as a, I'm not as alone as my brain likes to tell me and that it's okay to reach out and talk to people and we're not for the fandom I would never have met my boyfriend an old high school friend who I'm happy to say we have been together for almost 4 years now our an- fourth anniversary is in May so early congratulations any horror on to the subject matter <laughs> porn throws confetti and glitter okay so I'll simply start off by saying that we're not in it for the porn. I wouldn't have never found this wonderful fandom when I did, or even at all. Being a child born in the 90s, 1930, thir- 1993. <laughs> 1933. <laughs> 1933. Woo, a little, little young. <laughs> Reading is difficult, isn't it? <laughs> Puberty plus internet equals eye opening experiences and gross socks. So yes, I will admit wholeheartedly the porn got me into the fandom, but it did a lot more than that looking back onto it. The porn in the fandom helped me learn more about myself, oddly enough. It introduced me to the wonderful world of kinks in which I am into, discovering I am not just an average fur, but also a baby fur, and even helped me realize that I was gay, even though that took a while to figure out. Now, does that this mean that I'm in the fandom only for porn? Of course not. I love the fandom for everything it has to offer, minus the drama and dipshits. But that's another <laughs> story for another day. Yeah, that's true. Well, for the first time right in, I think I've probably typed way too much already, so I'll wrap this up. I love the show, you guys. Thanks for helping me be more willing to reach out to the community, and I hope someday soon I might get to meet you guys at a con. Tugs, you stay dry. And Rue, I hope your tumor goes away without any complications. Best wishes and thoughts to the whole for what it's worth crew. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay safe. From Blaze Maestro Tholt. Tholt. Last name pronounced Tholt. It's T-H. There's a pronunciation key right after. That's why this is funny. Yeah. Hey, I read as I go in order. (laughs) P.S. I decided to attach a picture of my persona just in case you guys were curious or wanted something cute if you weren't having a good day. Do you have a picture? Oh, yeah. Where is that? Uh, they're in the email attachments. They're beautiful. You should. Uh, I wish you guys could see them. It would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a black and white laser printer. It wouldn't have worked. Well, uh, I see. let's start from there. Okay. Thank you for sending that in, first of all. I, I know that it's your first time um, sending in an email to us, and I hope that that's not your last time. So... Even though that I made fun of everybody that sent emails on this particular topic. <laughs> but um, but I, I think it's great that, um, that you've um, sent us an email. And I'm glad that both of you have found the fandom. I mean, the, the main point... No, I don't want to give my testimony yet. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So I will give my testimony here. Well, here we go. <laughs> Here's, we here's, were going to go to break. Sit back. Go moment. ahead. You can pause and take a pee break. <laughs> so, you know what? Whatever it takes to get you into into finding out who you are, don't you feel like that that's something that's good? You know? If, sure. If it helps you 
to bring you happiness and to bring you closer to figuring yourself out in this crazy world that everybody's trying to figure themselves out. I, I feel like that it, it can lead to, to good things. So for sure. Anywho, there you go. There's my room moment. What? I budgeted <laughs> two whole minutes. I sat back. I relaxed. I gotta lean forward and talk into the mic now. Yeah, there you go. All right, let me complain about things some more. Well, those are two people who have a very interesting but also common. I like you know. I here's the thing is I think it's interesting to hear people's individual stories, um, but they do share a common thread. Uh, we do have more though, so stick around. We have space news. Uh, various other surprises, including a new item, and then we'll be back to talk more about porn. Glorious porn. Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, April 12th, here are your space headlines. The biggest news in space in the last couple of weeks comes from SpaceX. Now, I already covered this in the March episode of Committed to Launch, so I'll keep it brief here. Last year, SpaceX launched CRS-8, the eighth mission to resupply the ISS using their Dragon spacecraft. The first stage successfully landed on their drone ship, Of Course I Still Love You, in the Atlantic. It was the first time they'd successfully landed on the ship. Cut to one year later. That same booster, Booster 21 as it's referred to, has been refurbished and reflown. SpaceX successfully put SES-10 into its target orbit on top of an orbital-class booster that has already flown to space and back once before and it successfully landed back on the drone ship, ready to be brought back into port and refurbished again. This presents a huge leap forward in cutting the cost of spaceflight, and Elon Musk, CEO of SpaceX, has gone on record as saying he wants to see a turnaround of 24 hours someday. I'll be watching eagerly for the next great leap for them. On March 30th, Shane Kimbrough and Peggy Whitson completed a spacewalk outside the ISS. This is the second spacewalk in only very short order, continuing the work to prepare the station for commercial crew vehicles and general maintenance. Whitson ended up setting a record, becoming the most experienced female spacewalker. They ended up needing that experience when one of the fabric shield segments meant for the Tranquility Module's now unused port floated away. This occurred roughly near the middle of the spacewalk, leaving the astronauts trying to work with the ground crew as everyone tried to improvise a solution. Minus the life and death immediacy, this was very much the same kind of impromptu, rapid-thinking engineering NASA had to pull during the Apollo 13 mission. There are photos of the ground crew standing around the makeshift shield from a fabric cover meant for the recently moved mating adapter. There you can see them trying to puzzle their way through how they can make it work, then relay that information to the two crew on EVA. They were of course successful, and the unused port is now protected once more from micrometeor strikes. I absolutely love seeing NASA pull off a fix like that. They make it look so easy. A 17-year-old Earth-observing satellite has been decommissioned. EO-1, or Earth-observing-1, catchy title I know, was launched back in 2000 to top a Delta II rocket. This was something of a landmark mission as it pioneered spacecraft autonomy. This was the little satellite that could. It was designed with only a one-year lifespan, but continued to operate far longer than expected. In fact, the satellite was still healthy and able to function when NASA gave the order to shut it down. It was almost out of fuel and its orbit was changing, meaning it wouldn't be in an ideal position to image the Earth anymore. So, the order was given to power down the spacecraft, vent the tanks, and let the batteries drain. That would keep it from exploding unexpectedly and send debris throughout its orbit. Good night, EO-1. You served us well. A decision is going to be made soon by both NASA and Roscosmos to determine if they will extend the service of the International Space Station until 2028. 
As of right now, the plan is to continue its operation until 2024, per the Obama administration. However, with the pace things are moving in the aerospace industry, if the station is shuttered at that point, it could mean the end of the longest contiguous period of human presence in space. China would be carrying the baton at that point. Privately built space stations are definitely on the way, but these things take time. By extending the station's life to 2028, we give companies like Bigelow a greater chance to have a replacement on standby so we can keep living and working in space. If we're going to the moon or to Mars, we need the ISS as a test bed for new technologies. In fact, NASA is getting ready to launch a next-generation life support system to install on the station for testing. This new system would be more efficient, more reliable, and much easier to maintain than current systems. That's the kind of hardware you need on what's called a Mars-class mission. Whether the station stays open or not, a decision needs to be made so that future plans can be shifted and adjusted to accommodate. Both NASA and Roscosmos need to be able to plan accordingly, as does the private sector. This is one of those things that you really can't take a wait and see on. Honestly, I'd like to see the station get supported through 2028, but that is entirely dependent on the current administration, which seems conflicted as to how it wants to go about accomplishing its goals for space. They want to push manned exploration of flight, but that can only work if you have strong financial support. Even if you're buying seats on a commercially built vehicle, it still costs money. Only time will tell how this administration's policies play out. A few years ago, when SpaceX was first revealing their plans to recover and reuse the first stage of their Falcon 9, as well as showcase the reusability of Crew Dragon, they also showed in an animation of the second stage turning itself around and re-entering, then landing under its own power just like the first stage. In the time since then, SpaceX has kind of gone back and forth saying they would likely shelve the second stage reusability option in favor of developing other things. Then there was talk of them moving away from the idea entirely. With the unveiling of the Interplanetary Transport System, it looked like it might be the ultimate goal, an upper stage that is the capsule itself. So it isn't unreasonable to think that that's what took the place of the original reusable second stage plan. Then, very recently, not long after the historic reflight of Booster 21, Elon Musk spoke to the press saying he would very much like to make the entirety of the Falcon 9 reusable. That means it's very likely that they're going to take another look at recovering the second stage. In the old animation mentioned earlier, it showed the second stage coming back in under the protection of a heat shield covering the top, then deploying lander legs as it gently touched down back near the launch site. If Musk's wish to make that happen comes to pass, it could mean a significant leap in cost savings. The first stage is by far the most expensive part of the rocket, representing roughly 70% of the entire cost. Fairings cost SpaceX $5 million for each set, and we've seen them start recovering them as well, so that'll save a pretty penny. But then you still have another 20-25% to 25 to consider that is wrapped up in this second stage. It may not seem like much overall, but it's still a very expensive piece of hardware. That's why the ITS was designed the way it was, so that there are no parts lost, no fairings or interstages that separate and fall away needing to be replaced by brand new ones. Completely 100% reusable. Further, Musk went on to say that the Falcon Heavy demonstration flight is coming up and it would be really interesting if they could make an attempt with that launch, though the odds would be extremely low. We've seen SpaceX pull off some amazing stuff in spite of low odds. So I say they should give it a shot. The worst that could happen is they lose the second stage, which is going to happen regardless. If they do go for it, it'll happen sometime this year. That's all this time. For more on space and space-related matters, check out the social media for all the agencies and companies mentioned. And don't forget to check out my long-form podcast, Committed to Launch, at committedtolaunch.com and at launchcommit on Twitter. If you've got a question about space, send it on in. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying, keep looking up, space fans.
Hi everybody, this is Mafalme Lion checking in from Hoth, I mean Rochester, New York, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. Fifty Sheds of Grey, the furry edition, is brought to you by Fundies. Fundies, the underwear for two. It's not really that sexy, but you just don't like doing laundry a lot. Fundies! Wear them today. Today's Fifty Sheds of Grey. I'm so glad that all you boys and girls came. This is the family edition of Fifty Sheds of Grey. This is the conversation with mom. Because nothing is sexier and more erotic than the conversation with mom. Let's see how many times she gapes today. Every time she gapes... Take a drink, boys and girls. A gentle hand brushes my face. My mom wakes me, and I'm wrapped around my lap, tops hugging it to me. Anna, sweetheart. Hi, mom. I stretch out and smile. Nope, not a gape. That was merely stretching. Gotta get ready for it. That's an impressive piece of technology, she says, pointing to my lap. Oh, crap. That's right. Mom saw her lap. Oh, this? I strive for casual surprise nonchalance. Christian lent it to me. That's right. The crotch has been lent out. I could pilot the space shuttle with it and possibly fit the entire space shuttle in it. But I use it for emails and internet access. Don't we all? Don't we all just use our crotch for internet access? If you think about it, why do you get on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, and certainly not to listen to me ramble on about this, you should be getting on the internet with your laptop crotch. That's right. It's a new piece of technology invented specifically for this novel right here. The lap crotch. Top. The top crotch lap. The crappy lap crotch. We go back into WikiLeaks once again. Sir, you're quite the loquacious writer. I'll have to go to dinner at Bob's Golf Club, and I, just so you know, am rolling my eyes at the thought. How erotic is that? Yes, she's going to go have dinner with Bob's Golf Club. What she's doing with that golf club? Maybe she's wearing a pair of fundies with it. Fundies, the underwear for people that just don't like to do laundry. Fundies, thank you. Thank you so much. Nathalme for the ident that you sent in. So we're going to go back into the topic of porn. Yay. More email? We have more and more emails. Who's taking the next one? Uh, uh, From Dokos. Dokos? Tacos? 
Docos? Docos? I, I assume it's Docos. I have no idea. I, it well, looks like a mixture of Doritos and Locos. So Doritos Locos. Doritos Locos. I mean, it even starts with mm, porn. That should be enough to clarify my position on porn. But seriously, it's a simple natural thing that people are interested in. There's nothing wrong with it as long as it's not breaking any reasonable laws such as those that outlaw child pornography and the like. Radical ideas, I know. Now, as far as the fandom goes, I have no problem with porn being a part of the fandom. Rule 34 is a thing, after all. Even though I got into the fandom through porn, though I won't admit that to non-furries, I don't think the fandom is all about porn, but merely a part of it. I may not like every type of porn or fetish, but I don't have to. As someone who's interested in bondage and domination, I can understand how someone may not like something that I may like, and that's okay. People are going to get off to different things, and that's fine. Just treat people with respect. This should be fairly obvious, but life has taught me otherwise. Any whore, porn is a natural part of humanity, and in the grand scheme of things, is something rather trivial when you think about it. Let's all agree to not give a fuck about what you may say, or, oh, excuse me, uh, what you may or may not fap to, or even if you don't fap at all. Thank you to Rue, Tugs, Koru, Nuka, and Firebreath for making this wonderful show possible. Dokos. Uh, and then it's got a PS. Nuka, I heard that you, generally speaking, men are more interested in porn than women. In your studies, does this hold true to the fandom as well? He actually covers this in the YouTube video we have, and the answer to that is yes. <laughs> hmm. So should we read Phoenix the Fox? Sure, my turn. Hi, Tugs and Rue. I figured I'd write in on the topic because I wanted to share some, in my opinion, interesting points about porn and the fandom. First off, I came from a household that was Protestant and extremely liberal. Just kidding, conservative. So I was taught that porn was evil until one day I stumbled across furry porn after becoming a baby fur. And my first piece of furry porn was an animation from Torrin Fox called A Fox in the Stable. Ah, yes. One of my favorites. It really cemented me for the fact that I was gay and made me comfortable with my sexuality. You see, I realized in that moment as a teenager that porn wasn't evil, but was in fact a way to express sexuality. This also helped me realize that I wanted to be in an intimate relationship with another male, as the animation depicted them acting very loving towards each other while engaging in sex. I wanted that kind of attention from another man, someone who could help me be my other half and satisfy me as a person and lover. Furry porn also helped me discover myself as a person sexually, as well as expanding my fetishes. It also made me realize other people were into the same things I was into, and it made me feel less isolated in my desires and thoughts. I knew others shared my kinks, and I felt a bit more, for lack of a better term, normal. I felt, if any, if anything, I felt more normal than before after viewing furry porn. Now on to the second point. The age-old question of, is porn essential to the fandom? The answer is schmung, yes and no. Because you see, the fandom can exist without porn, but we would have far less expression of ourselves as people in the fandom. You see, the fandom isn't centered around porn in my opinion, but rather furry porn is centered around the fandom instead. Clean art exists and is there for people who don't exactly like porn or just aren't interested in it, and other various reasons. Both are part of the fandom and should be recognized for their importance in shaping the fandom. Thanks for taking time to read this, and I hope this provides some thought-provoking discussion and it helps contribute to the topic. From Phoenix the Fox. Another one who got into the, the porn, <laughs> the fandom through porn. You know, I, I, it's very fairly common that that happens. A fox in the stable. That feels like it was last week. <laughs> Seriously, and that, it's that not... thing is super old. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, 
one of the first animations I ever ended up seeing was uh, Torn and Water Tentacles, actually. Yeah, mm-hmm. see, that's, I'm like, that's old. Yeah, that's, that's archaic at this point now. Um, I do want to say one thing about that email, um, something that crossed my mind. Um, I just want to stress to people that you have to find the disconnect between uh, pornography and actual sexuality. Um, A lot of people talk about how pornography helps them realize their identity, realize their sexuality. Uh, That's all well and good, but... When it comes to, say, a relationship, it's definitely not a good substitute. Um, I am definitely a firm believer in you should go out and find your someone or your someones. And I believe that porn cannot fill that void. Um, it's, It's a great intro, Definitely, especially to people that are budding in their sexuality and everything. But at some point, you you do have to find a disconnect between it. You you have to realize that uh, porn can't be everything for you. So, do you feel like that there is some truth to that statement that porn um, ends up destroying being harmful? True love? No, I don't believe so. I just think it draws people away from actually searching for that it's more of a distraction if that makes sense porn can destroy true love in the way that splenda can help you lose weight exactly you know it's like anything a little bit or a certain amount and controlled is fine but if you abuse it then no it's not healthy to do anything right Mm -hmm. anything of too much of something is is an issue right so if you're completely addicted to pornography and you find yourself looking at it all of the time, mm-hmm. then you may have a problem. Uh, I, I, think it, I think it's debatable. I'm saying it's you, definitely you a person may, to person. But I, I'm, I'm talking about all that you think about is porn. All you look if, at is porn. If it, and if it limits your ability to function... Yes. You're at work and you're thinking about porn. You know, that's what I'm trying to say. I I think with absolutely anything, anything can literally become an addiction to you. If if your brain is wired to derive pleasure from absolutely anything, then too much of that where it gets to the point that it is harshing, uh, dampening your actual lifestyle, then yeah, then it could be considered a bad thing. It just so seems to be... let's pose a hypothetical question. Sure. Porn is eliminated 100% from this earth. Peace out. Okay. 100%. Could you continue to function as an individual without it? I think that would be to the point that you would actually be separating people from each other um, without any kind of ability to gain... Uh, any kind of sexual pleasure off of any kind of images or any other person, you're basically segregating people in society well, from one another. You can still have sex with an individual, you know. But you can't have the fantasy anymore. No. Right. No. Uh, pornography is definitely more about the emotional aspect. If you don't have any kind of sexual desire, then it's literally just procreation. 
And I think that takes away from the biggest part of the human experience. And that's feeling that true empathetic bond with another person. So let's see, where are we at? It's time to bring back a segment we don't get to use too often. How Google transcribed it. I don't know what possessed people to call them this time, but we're glad you did. It's, it's we, because it's porn. It's because you beg. <laughs> you beg people. We got not one, but two actual transcriptions. So I will now read Google's transcriptions. Now, I got to admit, they're getting better, and it's kind of disappointing because I really enjoyed the humor that was around before. But here we go. <laughs> hey, Hudson Real. It's Laura here in orange, black, white, and red fox. What are you doing while you're calling us? Hope I'm not too late to call in for this week's topic. So here. I am some info about me first, though, because it's my first time calling. I'm a teenage bisexual female who's dating a trans boy who I love very much. They're really bad with punctuation. I love South Park Pokemon, Ram Over Wells books, especially Carry On. So that's what I've bitched Steven Universe. And of course, the first, and I'm a fairly fresh on the bump up. Only being the Phantom Pro Body here and your podcast, which I discovered me of stuff. My Perry Dunn looks like the home to me. Now onto the topic at hand. There is a therapy, or if you look through the type of freeze on Tumblr, Indiana, the city of Tumblr, Indiana, and such, I'm no set. There are a few pictures of Persona 4. Try them as chubby and my sister coming to the pet. <laughs> I <I've- laughs> feel this is because many of us have a bit of a belly that wants to be beautiful and skinnier Hanselman muscular massage. Please press on this represent holy wants me for example. I myself am a me. Dirty crybaby text. But for my Santa Myra. It's loud. I'm nauseous. Unafraid to speak my mind in sexy. This can be for having something to look up to to inspire to. Chris again. I hope I got this in on time. Love you. All especially you've had some complaints. I said your name person, the interest in bed with a cookie, LaRose box. <laughs> he does not know how the fuck to turn this thing off, so please be patient. <laughs> what? We'll get to the real one. Is, is that a command? All right, we're going to play the All real right. one? No, no, here's the other one. I'm doing them back to back. Oh. Okay. oh. Or do you want to hear the real one? Yeah, let's hear the real one and then we'll read the... Hey, husband Roo. It's Lara here in orange, black, white, and red fox. But by not too late to call in for this week's topic, so here I am. Some info about me first, though, because it's my first time calling. I'm a teenage bisexual female who is dating a trans boy who I love very much. I love South Park, Pokemon, Rainbow World Wales books, especially Carry On. So that's for life, bitches! Steven Universe, and of course, the furry fandom. I'm a fairly fresh out of the box pup, only being in the fandom for about a year. And your podcast, which I discovered new to stock my furrydom, is like a home to me. Now, onto the topic at hand, nerds and their appearances. If you look through the tag of furries on Tumblr and DeviantArt and such, I've noticed that very few pictures of personas portray them as chubby, unless it's a cone to the fetch. I feel this is because many of us have a bit of a belly, but want to be beautiful and skinnier, handsome and muscular and such. These personas represent who we want to be. For example, I, myself, am a meek, quiet, nerdy crybaby type, but my persona, Lyra, is loud, obnoxious, unafraid to speak her mind, bold, and sexy. This can be a form of having something to look up to and aspire to, per se. 
Again, I hope I got this in on time. Love y'all. Especially you, Rue. Tugs, don't complain. I said your name first in the intro. And back with a cookie, Lyra Fox, <laughs> who does not know how the fuck to turn this thing off, so please be patient. <laughs> okay, she was adorable. I love that. Um, ow. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Tugs. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm feeling your pain right now. Why? I don't know. Gumball. What? Don't call me gumball. Hey, thank you so much for your your message. It means a lot. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that was cool. What's your thoughts? Um, I absolutely love how Google screwed with that. <laughs> um, it's a great segment. That's why we do it. No, you should have run it through Translate a couple times and then, you know, gone back over. It's <laughs> a future segment. Um. I actually find that a lot of people end up finding the furry community in much the same way. Um, uh, I ended up finding out about it through an online forum site called Gaia Online. And I'm sure I don't have to explain anything about that to anybody. Um, I actually started as a, a lycanthrope, a werewolf. And um, I was introduced by uh, somebody who had ended up finding me and chatting with me introduced me to a ton of uh, guilds on the site and it was kind of my intro he ended up helping me set up a character and um, what I thought was interesting about what she was saying is uh, she created her character with a personality that she uh, would like to resemble that she idolized and I, I feel like I did a lot of the same things when I made Fenric um, Fenric was he was suave and he got along with absolutely everybody and it, it just kind of became like uh like a mary sue character it was it was what i wanted to become mm -hmm. so uh, throughout the years i actually feel like um fenric helped me out a lot with that um being able to talk as fenric to other people actually um bred that into my personality and now I resemble it. I, I think that's why a lot of uh, a lot of furs tend to change their fursonas quite often. It's because they're still searching. They're you know still trying to figure out who they are. Mm -hmm. So with an identity change like that, it helps them kind of point themselves into the right direction for something like that. I I have to agree with you one hundred percent. That's why I'm I'm Rue. You know, it's I like being fun, bubbly. I, I like that that type of person and um you know I sometimes when I'm not rue and when I'm at work I'm a very serious person. Oh, I've noticed. I'm, I've noticed. I'm a very very serious person and rue helps me in so many ways to be able to keep things uh, remind me to keep things light and fluffy and happy and cookies. Yay. So, but <laughs> One thing that I do want to point out from that particular e um, voicemail is <laughs> I thought it was funny that she talked about body image. Ah! Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, again, actually, I, I do agree with her. I, I feel that there isn't enough of representation of body images within the community. and um, I think artists should all just force people to get drawn as their actual body shape. 
no matter what the character's actual body is. There, there was well there was that uh there was that comparison meme that was going around a while back where people would post a picture of their fursona and then a picture of themselves in like the same pose that was for trump to find out who we are we don't even know. <laughs> you think that was like come on now uh, conspiracies no um <sighs> I I feel that you know I I kind of did the same thing and that's the second time I've said that. Uh, um, yeah, fine. Yeah, when I one. had created Fenric, uh, Fenric was slim and muscular, and a- after a while, I became more comfortable with my own body image, and I actually updated Fenric. Uh, Fenric is much like me now. He's uh, tall and slightly muscular, chubby, you know. He more resembles me. It kind of almost looks. Do you think that that's because you got to the point where you accepted? Yeah. No, definitely. It was kind of like a reverse. Uh, Fenric helped me, you know, gain some introspective into myself. And then we kind of switched. Fenric became more of an introspective of my. Voss, do you have Clunk's email? Yeah. I sure do. Let's go. All right. Bear with me. This is literally, not figuratively, two pages. When I turned 20, I found myself in sort of a quagmire of self-loathing and dissatisfaction. There were a lot of things I didn't like about myself, things I didn't want to admit but couldn't deny, things that made me ashamed and yet were a quintessential part of who I was. I'd spend years trying to change, making bargains with God that if such and such would happen, I'd stop being a disgusting pervert or asking for direct guidance through the swamp of my ID trying to represent something I knew I couldn't control. It was no use trying to be different. I had to face these parts of myself and learn to embrace them. You could say I needed to fight my shadow self in Persona 4 terms. In such contexts, the shadow self is part of you that you're afraid to admit to yourself and to others things that you're ashamed to feel and do and think. Ignoring them, denying them only makes them stronger, more likely to eat you alive. The only way to fight them is to accept them, and that's what I needed help doing. So I created a separate entity outside myself, something far removed from my identity that so that no one could see, something murky and curious and sexual. I remember lying in bed in the dark, staring at my pillow and creating a new persona, one that I could use when I need to navigate through myself with self-confidence and without regret. I called him Clunk. Clunk was an overly overtly sexual being, embracing all the things that I couldn't, allowing me an avatar to explore with, and it began with writing. My first short stories were terrible, to be honest. I was a creative writing major, but I lacked the patience to wait out a rough draft, to call and perfect it before throwing it online. I posted things with the intent to go back and fix them later, which of course I rarely did. But that first story was about a 16-year-old overweight possum named Albie who, armed with a fake ID, snuck into a gay club and bagged a chubby chaser. A good-looking wolf that liked a pit of blush on the bed. It introduced me to... Thylacine? Thylacine. Thylacine? That would act as my nefarious tutor in the school of perversion. But I kind of fell in love with what we were creating and who my character was becoming and a sort of troubled marsupial could get a young rodent into that was huge for me he pushed me into territory territories i was afraid to explore on my own through role-playing porn territories mind you that i was curious about and desperately wanted to experience 
The idea that eventually I wouldn't need Clunk anymore and I'd merge my two identities into one as I conquered my shadow self, but something happened. I fell in love with my tragic, average, perverted chipmunk and I couldn't let him go. People weren't shocked, they were disgusted or judgmental. Part of that certainly was filtering followers with a locked account, but in doing that, I created a safe space for myself where it felt open and comforting, like sitting on a porch with a quiet, with a mosquito net, enjoying the freedom of outdoors without worry about getting bitten. And Clunk was autistic, like me, and would struggle to interact with the world around him until he gave in and shut himself out. But with the advent of this idea, I decided to change things for my rodent for the better. His past was still fraught with woe, but at least I could give him something to look forward to. I poured all of my tainted, perverted heart into that story, and it really resonated with others, hearing people sing, say things like, I was so emotionally invested in the characters, after they read your smut is really, well, awesome. Suddenly, this character that I've hidden away for, was a source of pride. I felt comfortable wearing him openly, even wearing him in as a name badge at conventions. I felt like he'd been embraced and welcomed and loved, and in turn, I felt embraced and welcomed and loved. And I felt I could embrace myself and love myself, even in the murky parts that I'm still navigating through today. You could say I conquered my shadow self and became a whole person, thanks to my chubby little persona. And when you boil down to it, it all started with a little bit of terrible, terrible furry smut. Yours, Clunk. Ah, you read so much, and thank you so much for sending in that amazing email, but what's your thoughts after reading that? Uh, I think I want to pass. <laughs> You're like, I need to breathe. <laughs> I need a bottle of it's water. Flair for the thematic there. What? I'm, I got that. I'm sorry. Huh? I would say it's not bad. Whatever helps you kind of come out of your shell figure out who you are that's a way big deal like imagine not connecting to the world and then finding a conduit to connect to the world especially with with you know being autistic on top of that everyone's thinking right now can only imagine we all are you know i I think it's kind of crazy i think it's because you know for us you know furries have connected us somehow or some way to the world itself, you know? We were kind of outcasts, not really part of... I mean, I, I know that every everybody has their own story, and but for me, for my experience, I wasn't really part of anything. Me either, actually. Except I was a good boy. I, I was until I reached about 17. Oh. <laughs> I was until I reached 7. <laughs> so I think it, this is a good time to take a little break But before we do We have to do the thing we always do Today's episode of For What It's Worth Has a new sponsor that we actually announced on the air Can you believe it? And it's not Oaken Sorry Oaken What? I know what? It's Dokos Doritos Locos Yay! Get oh some at your local Taco Bell And then think of Dokos I will every time Every time, Cool Ranch, I'm just going to think of Dokos. Also, how do you say your name? Hopefully it's not Dokos or Dukus or... Either way, we appreciate all of our Patreon patrons. Only above a certain tier, though, do you get your name set on the air. That's how it works, sorry. Time for break. (laughs)
for what it's worth. Brought to you by For What It's Worth Brand Privacy Services. When you're worried something sensitive is on display, think for what it's worth. Technology moves at incredible speed. Why, it seems like it was only yesterday that the wondrous miracle that is indoor plumbing was introduced. Now, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a house that's got the most modern of conveniences, like the phonograph. Along with such advances comes the spreading of sensitive material, leaving you open to uncomfortable investigation into all your darkest crevices. It's all in the name of good old red-blooded American capitalism, the one true economic system, keeping companies able to bring you the latest goods and services that you didn't even know you needed. But it would be nice if there was a way to ease that forced entry into your life. Now there is. For what it's worth, Brand Privacy Services helps streamline any and all probings, ensuring that any stranger wanting to have a look around in there won't leave you feeling chafed. Even the most invasive of intruders feels as comfortable as a close friend thanks to our patented low-drag unmanned biodegradable extricator. Yes, lube. For what it's worth, Brand Lube will help you feel comfortable and relaxed as corporations go about investigating all your privates. For what it's worth, Brand Privacy Services and Lube apply liberally for best results. And now for today's secret code. 25, 15, 21, 14, 5, 5, 4, 13, 15, 18, 5, 6, 9, 2, 5, 18. Good luck. Hello, and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. You've almost certainly been exposed to violent media at some point in your life. Maybe you grew up watching action films like Die Hard, or read the Batman comic books. Perhaps you've played all the Metal Gear games, or enjoy watching shows like The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones. Whatever form it may have taken, you've likely been exposed to media that contains at least some violence in it. The question I want to ask you is whether you think these shows, movies, and games have actually made you more aggressive. This question is just one among many being asked by media psychologists, researchers who systematically study the effects of media on the way we think, feel, and behave. For now, we'll limit our discussion to violent content, since that's where the bulk of the research has been focused, but researchers are similarly studying how portrayals of sex, gender, race, and even helping in the media can change us. So, sticking to violent content, how did you answer that earlier question? Are you more aggressive because you've watched violent shows or played violent games? I'm willing to bet that you said no. In fact, I can probably guess how you came to that conclusion. You likely acknowledge that, yes, you've seen all kinds of violent movies and played all sorts of violent games, and yet, you haven't been a violent person. Chances are you haven't committed murder. In fact, maybe you've never even been in a fight. So, on the one hand, you have a lifetime of experience with violent media, but on the other, you've never shot up a school or stabbed someone or really engaged in any of the behaviors being acted out in these shows or games. So from that, it's pretty easy to conclude that you haven't been affected by violent media. The problem is, with this line of thinking, that it treats violence and aggression as the same thing. We've talked about this in an earlier episode, but the gist is like this. Aggression refers to any action intended to do harm to another person. Violence is extreme physical aggression, any action intended to cause serious bodily harm. 
But aggression doesn't have to be extreme, and in fact it doesn't even really need to be physical to still be aggression. Teasing someone or bullying them or calling them names, that's aggression. Threatening them, that's aggression. Spreading rumors about people or trying to make others hate them is aggression. Cutting someone off in traffic or not letting them merge is aggressive. These are all aggression because they involve doing things to other people that they don't want done to them. In other words, not all aggression is violence. And this is a really important point to make. Because when media researchers tell you that violent media increase the risk of aggression, they're not saying that violent media necessarily make people violent. So maybe it's true that you've never been violent towards other people, but have you ever threatened someone or shouted at them? Have you ever called someone names or insulted them or cut them off in traffic? Have you ever spread a rumor about someone? These sorts of aggression are far more likely to happen in our day-to-day -day life, and they're the sorts of aggression that are much more likely to be affected by media violence. But whoa, 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 wait. If violent media really affected us, shouldn't we all be violent too? Psychologists generally say no, and here's why. This idea that we'll see something on TV and then do it in real life is called mimicry. Small children might engage in mimicry, fighting with one another because they see the Power Rangers do it or one of their favorite WWE superstars, but this isn't really how psychologists think that media affects us, at least as adults. The real story, story is far more nuanced and complex than simply mimicking what we see on TV. So for example, one of the ways the media affects us is by desensitizing us to the effects of violence and aggression. The first time you saw blood and gore in a film or a video game, it probably shocked you. As humans, we're hardwired to be disturbed by blood and gore, and to generally want to avoid physical conflict with one another. But each time you see blood and gore, each time you see someone get punched or stabbed or shot, it has less and less of an effect on you. It, it stops bothering you. This means that there's one less psychological process stopping you from being aggressive towards someone. You're less bothered that that action is going to have some kind of bad outcome. But desensitization isn't the only way violent media affects us. Another way is by slowly and subtly changing what we consider to be normal. Imagine growing up without ever seeing the news or hearing about the concept of murder. Would the idea even enter your head? Now, think about the news we're exposed to every day. Shootings, stabbings, assaults, these are all a normal part of our lives. And while it might not make us into killers ourselves, when violence becomes normal in our minds, it makes it a lot easier to engage in less extreme forms of aggression. Moreover, it affects the way you perceive the world. Let's say some guy bumps into you at a bar and makes you spill your beer. Did he do that on purpose? The person who's walking towards you and reaching into their pocket, are they pulling out a knife or a phone? The more violent media you view, the more the world starts to look like a violent and dangerous place, and the more likely you are to respond accordingly. In a similar vein, violent media even conditions you to respond aggressively by default. Each time you shoot someone in a video game or see violence in a film, your brain is subconsciously learning to associate violence with reward, or learning that violence is an appropriate way to respond. And I do say subconsciously. No one is playing a violent game and saying to themselves, oh boy, I should shoot people more often because I get rewarded every time I do it. No. Your brain is making this association by itself, and it's being conditioned to respond with aggression as a first line of action. 
This means that when you've got to make a split-second decision, you're much more likely to fall back on aggression as a default if you've been exposed to it thousands of times in the past. If someone's running up behind you and you've only got a second to respond, do you assume they're asking for directions or that they're about to attack you? And if you assume they're going to attack you, chances are you're probably going to be aggressive first. These are just some of the ways that violent media affects us. This isn't even getting into the way that media changes how our brains function or how our bodies respond to anxiety, provocation, and stress. And like I said, this isn't just the case for violent media. Whether we acknowledge it or not, every piece of media we're exposed to, whether it's violent media or pornography or even furry art, it affects the way we think, feel, and behave. It doesn't matter to our brains that the things we see in media aren't true because our brains evolved in a time before media existed. As far as our brains are concerned, if we see it, it's real, and they respond and learn accordingly. The take-home message is this. It doesn't really matter whether you think uh, media affects you. The reality is that it does, usually in ways that are so subtle you don't even realize it. In fact, you've spent your whole life being exposed to hours of media each day. How would you even be able to tell if it's had an effect on you? Maybe you're not a very aggressive person, but can you say for sure that you wouldn't be less aggressive if you hadn't played all those games or hadn't seen all those movies? Or think about it another way. Has seeing furry-themed media at all changed your behavior? After all, you're listening to a furry podcast, right? This has been a quick look at media psychology. I'm Dr. Nuka, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. Fifty Sheds of Grey, the furry edition, season two. Insert funny punchline here. Brought to you by Jin. That's right. When you need to make this book better, there's always Jin. <laughs> oh, Jin, Jin, Jin. Ah, Jin, Jin. You and Tonic just get it on like these two. Let's go read some more about them, shall we? I love it. I moan between parted lips and arch my back so my breast fill my palms. He squeezes my nipples between our thumbs. <laughs> pulling gently so they elongate further. I watch in fascination at the wonton creature writhing in front of me. Apparently we had Chinese food! Why not? I love wonton creatures. And you didn't think this was a transformation book? Is this the one where the skunk squirts in it? I just want to know that. Ooh, this feels good. I groan and close my eyes, no longer wanting to see that I can't pronounce this word. Is this even something that's like, I have no idea. You know what? I think we need a special guest star. Here we go. Thanks, Siri. What the hell does that mean? Libidinous. What she said. Yeah, do it again. Oh, it's so hot. 
So whatever that thing is, is in the mirror, falling apart under her own hands, his hands, feeling my skin as he would, experiencing, arousing it, just his touch, his calm, soft commands. Porn. I'm recording. Oh, hi! <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't say anything. <sighs> well, we're back from break, as you can tell, and Rue just told his mom his personal secrets. No. This is just great. Hi, mom. I like being needle. <laughs> no, I don't like being needle. No. Okay, so back to the show. We, we got to blitz through the rest of these emails because we are running out of time. Let's read, 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 read. All right. So next up is who? Snares. Snares. All right. You're up. Let's go. Okay. Uh, greetings, Rue, Tugs, and Koru. Let's talk about porn. Yes. Porn in the fandom. But first, a quick introduction. I run by the pen name of Furious on Fur Affinity, which I use as a brand label for my adult furry commissions. It also doubles as my creator handle for my Meteor Shower series of comics, which... By the way, I am a really big fan of. Uh, the very nature of my business revolves around furry porn, and to deny the presence of porn within the furry community would be to deny my own existence. Let's take a moment to acknowledge a couple of important things, like the stakeholders, for example. The furry fandom itself represents a shared sanctuary and safe space, both online and physically at gatherings, especially conventions. We are all participants, and the actions of the individual, good or bad, reverberate outwards outwards from our safe spaces into the larger, sometimes more unpredictable realm of non-furry observers. A lot of good folks out there have jobs of a sensitive nature. It's only understandable that we would want to protect our careers and reputations. Furry businesses such as conventions and public events lean on the trust and goodwill of the general public to conduct such activities. Maintaining a presentable level of professionalism with local authorities and institutes are essential to the success of said events. Rest in peace, RF. I'm not sure what that actually stands for. <laughs> the death of Rainforest. Oh, Rainforest. Okay, I got you. Uh, no one wants their safe spaces to be taken away from them. The prevailing consensus led by prominent voices within the fandom has largely been rooted in maintaining a squeaky clean positive image, which is fine and sensible. And that's in caps. Uh, where it has become distorted is when the conversation is nothing else but a single singular talk during... <laughs> Repeated and followed without question as the fandom's holy text. Conforming blindly under the influence of fear takes away from the fandom what it strives to protect. It's immeasurable freedom of self-expression and the safety to explore one's own identity. If current world politics isn't any indication of greater need for conversation and understanding, I feel that not having the courage to grant ourselves learning opportunities impedes our own ability to mature as a group. Don't get me wrong. As much as I enjoy my daily dose of fat material, this letter isn't written in praise of porn. It's about the next step for the fandom as a whole. One, uh, recognizing that furry porn is an integral part of the fandom, which I agree. Uh, two, 
that it's okay to be a fully functional, sexually realized adult, and three, being comfortable with ourselves. As RuPaul eloquently puts it, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? XO, XO, snares the pornomancer. I that think that, that's email. the furry agenda. What? That's the furry agenda. Yeah. Right there. Bam. It is. There you go. I think that email deserves a clap. We're giving, we're giving snares the clap? No. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. I hope you enjoy your complimentary clap from For What It's Worth. You now have the clap from Rue. I think it's true, though. Like, he's hitting on what I've been saving for final thoughts, but it is true. It's okay to be a fully realized sexual adult. I'm not going around raping people because I enjoy sex. And everyone needs to know out of what I'm doing in bed except the people I invite in. And then I really want you to be super interested in what we're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> There's yes. this really unhealthy obsession with what people do in other people's bedrooms. If you live down the street from me, what I do in my bedroom is not your business. And what I look at on the internet is not your business. Oh, my God. Period. I have a video I have to show you later. We should. You're going to get such a kick. We should. <laughs> Thank you, Snares. So, Levy, the le- leaky finnick fox? The leaky finnick fox? <laughs> Is that what you just said? Uh, that says Levy. Levy. L- Levy the Fennec Fox. I'll, I will go ahead and read this. <laughs> the Leaky. The Leaky. You put the Leaky Fox? I mean, if you're excited enough. I did put the Leaky Fox in the notes. <laughs> to the cast and crew. Wow. Up for what it's worth. Hey, guys. My name is Levy the Fennec Fox. First off, I would like to thank you all for your wonderful podcast and the hours of fun and spoopy times that I've had listening to it. This is my first time sending you guys an email, and despite being a listener for quite a long time, I'm sure it won't be the last. Porn is a touchy subject in the fandom. I imagine from the negative attention it garners from the normies. Still for many of us, it was our introduction to the fandom, and a continually growing fascination. I personally love porn, mostly because I'm a college student and don't have the time to bother looking for a real person to do the mattress mambo with. I've never heard that <laughs> phrase. I love that. I love it. I would like to say that I don't look at much porn, but the dizzying diorama of delicious dicks that already spring from my <laughs> internet search history would prove me a liar. Also tells bursting mm-hmm. out of pants. Ooh. As a writer, I will also <laughs> occasionally assault the eye holes of internet friends with my Zootopia fanfics or last night's dream of power bottoming Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank uh. to my mother. I apologize for the cutoff. My laptop sent the email without my permission. Oops. Oh, all right. I merged these emails. But when it comes to porn, my favorite thing that the fandom has to offer is the pure, endless variety of kink-related images. Where else can you find a giant rabbit squishing an anthro lion with a giant paw and a video game character orgy that brings a disturbed sense of childhood nostalgia? What about a partner with two dicks? Nowhere but here, I tell you. True art. Also, my initial introduction to furry porn led me to discover the incredible community baby furs, which I have become a part of. Isn't the internet great? Thanks for the great show, Levy the Freaky Fennec, or Leaky in Rue's case, Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Extra. Extra different now because of you. (laughs) Great going, Rue. First of all, Mattress Mambo. whatever, uh, Whatever you are eating for breakfast, I need because I'm not that creative and I want to be that creative. Oh, I mean. Mattress Mambo? Sounds like a portmanteau from Horizontal Mambo. I, I like it. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. It, it belongs it it's right up there with Church of St. Mattress. It's like the sideways monster mash. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, partner with two Richards. 
Oh yeah, sharks. Richard Richard Nixon. Do I, sharks really actually have two dicks? Yeah, no, they do. Who Biologically, they do. Do what? Do they like if you lose one, do you grow one back? For your, no, they don't. They're not like their teeth. No, no. Sure. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of freaky animals out Voss, there. Boss can um, talk about this one. Like, wait, what? <laughs> How would? What? Wait, what? I don't know what's going I, on. I I don't know what Rue's leading to. I don't know what that segue was. Wait, I don't know. You were saying you were you were trying to say something. We're moving forward. Th- that's why. Oh, so okay. no, no. You know what's funny is about this childhood nostalgia. I remember the first time I saw Rule Thirty Four. I was like, oh. Like, I, oh like I wasn't like offended. I was like, oh, no, like, it caught I me agree. off guard, right? But no. now I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, like there's a difference. Okay. So like uh, Tony the Tiger. Little known fact. I think my first crush ever was Robbie from Dinosaurs. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know. Shocking. And I, think it, I think it was the mohawk, honestly. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can you know, see that. it's bad boy type. You know what's great about that? And it also makes me think of his um, family guy had an episode where Peter and Lois are looking at something on a computer. And they're like, what the hell is that? Do you have an animated version of us doing it? Like, the writers <laughs> know about this. <laughs> I, I, it's, just, it's just as prevalent as Nintendo knowing that Bowser is like this Bondage sex freak. icon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's super sexy. I, no! these, these companies, because of social media and stuff, they know this now. <laughs> it, it's not obscure anymore. We, we all know that the fairies are hitting on Link. Like we all know this in Breath of the Wild. The great fairies are like one of the greatest lines. Are let me take a peek in your pouch. <laughs> oh my god! Did you? Okay, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Whoa! Did you? Did you never see the uh, the adaptation of Legend of Zelda that uh, I think it was MTV made? It was like the yeah, but well, I mean, the, this the is fairies from in the, Nintendo, though. I know, but the fairies in that show literally healed Link by giving him blowjobs. I mean, I it, want that. It doesn't get more provocative. I than need that. a great fairy right now. <laughs> Next, oh my, Seiichi. Who has Seiichi? Oh, Vasa Seiichi's email. Yeah, I've got Seiichi. Uh, hello, all you fuzzbutts, cast guests, and listeners of For What It's Worth. Seiichi Raccoon here. Love the podcast and the Telegram trap. Join it. Telegram trap. <laughs> it is a trap. You should join it. <laughs> Jumping it right in. I've never had porn done of myself, my character, but I can say that adult and kink art is certainly a large part of what has been important to me in the fandom. I find it interesting that I am much more into gay furry porn than hetero. But outside furry, I'm more generally attracted to women than I, though I'm bi-pan. I also don't care much at all for non-furry porn. I'm also attracted to a broader diversity of body types and genders and furry characters than in humans. Seriously, is furry sexual a thing? I've actually put a lot of thought into this lately, and I think I've come up with a few hypotheses of why this might be. Furry feels different to me in that characters generally maintain a degree of playful innocence even while performing adult and violent actions. Growing up, sex was always very comfortable for me to deal with. I always scared scarred, scared to end up deeply hurt emotionally or end up catching something nasty. I understand if you don't want to share this next bit because it's maybe TMI but I feel it's important to have representation of this kind of sexuality as it's not really out there much. Nothing is TMI on this show. I don't think so, from what I've heard. You put it on the teleprompter, I'll read it. 
Well, over the course I guess we are of, nice cast, so go, go ahead. <laughs> over the course of five or so intense years of struggling with self-hate, trying to understand and explore my sexuality and identity, I stumbled upon furry weight gain art and realized, well, damn. Oh, my God. Furry Inflation. was thing that ever made that really made sense to me no i wasn't saying that in negative I, I know, that's I actually something i like so grousy. I, I totally oh, get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> i realized i had always been furry even before discovering my sexuality and the existence of the fandom in my connection to animals and nature my general lack of fit with uh, other people and local culture relating more to non-human characters than human characters in games movies and more to sort things to keep things short, overall furry kink and adult art has really helped me safely explore and discuss my sexuality far more than I'd have ever been able to do without it. Perhaps in part because it has kept me from judging myself as harshly due to all the prudish, heteronormative, religious brainwashing I had to deprogram. Mm -hmm. It is now my lifelong goal to help others that way that furry art and fandom has helped me. Massive thank you to all the furries saving me. Being good to each other, I love you all. In my latest attempt to give back, I and a number of gender sexuality teachers I got on board will be working and holding a small conference about kink and sexuality at my local area college to help students accept themselves and reduce stigmas. If any of you would like to contribute, I'd love to hear from you. Any whore, I love the show and thanks for what it's worth for encouraging me to participate in the fandom again. Seiichi Raccoon. Where's your college? I love that. <laughs> yeah, let's see. We'll go out. We'll go out there. <laughs> I'm traveling this weekend. If it's this weekend and I'm there, I'll sure I'll oh, well. put my ugly bug somewhere. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so let's talk about um, the other side of the argument. You know, the people oh, that okay. feel like the porn is sure is not something that's good so here we go this is from mafalme and she says hello ruined tugs it's mafalme again and i have something to say about porn in the fandom number one i'm not into the normal porn everyone's into the art porn does nothing for me to be honest i've tried to get off to off to it but i can't the fandom porn I like. Oh, I guess. I guess this is one that. She, sorry, that she does oh, like. Oh, you thought it was a role reversal. Uh, it's okay. The fandom porn um, I like is Mersuits. but don't go judging me. If your fursuit is also a Mersuit, I am a strong believer in washing your suit completely before performing performing in public. Um, I, for one, have. A completely separate suit for mersuiting. Anyways, what is your opinion on mersuits, Mafalme Lion? Ooh, okay. Patrick Stewart's into those. Is he? No, but Avery <laughs> Bullock is. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, for the longest time, Rue um, for me and and my first suit, I really believe in the the magic of of my suit and oh, um, my penis. for him he he's innocent okay. and so see that's that's kind of the idea i had behind it too is uh it's a representation of yourself something that you've created you know it's like having a child 
and you want to protect them. They, they have that innocence about them. So turning it into something sexual is kind of like deviating away from that. It's, it's loosening that hold, that protection that you have on that innocent part of yourself. But I do 100% agree that if you do something in suit, go wash, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, for come sure. on. If you come all over your clothes, let's just say, <laughs> or, or something, you're going to wash it before you go out and hug people, right? I, 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 if, I would if like you're to th- a decent I would, person, for sure. I would like sure. to think that you nope. do. <laughs> See, I'm kidding. You pee, all, you pee all over your clothes and then dry These it are out. my clothes. <laughs> and you wear it around. Wait, wait. No, there's some. There's something in here that we have to touch on, which is, oh. is furry sexual a thing? Is furry sexual a thing? Oh. Sanchi uh, asked this question, and I feel like we did, like we kind of glazed it, so I feel like we should discuss it. Is it a thing? You know, I actually do believe in it. Um, I have seen people that have not had any kind of sexual attraction to other humans, uh, aromantic per se, and oh. do have a sexual attraction to furry community members. And I, I think it's more just because it's a, an idea. It's an emotional idea. You know, it, it doesn't really represent the physical until you get into things like fursuiting. It, it's more of uh, falling in love with the idea of something rather than actual physiology of it and i do believe that it is a thing voss raised his finger yes i do believe it's the a thing mostly because i am one. Oh, really there yeah. we go oh that's awesome i i how best to describe it is i don't find the human body sexually attractive yeah and so i all of mine has gone towards the furry side and then that's that's what it is i can only get excited or enjoy myself with furry art or such things. So you don't get all excited when I run up from the bathroom and I'm completely naked because I just barely got out of the shower? I, that doesn't do anything for you? I don't think that I'm does so offended. Anybody, but I do like to tease you for it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's how he feels about it. So next email? Yeah, from... Kind? Kin? I don't know. We'll, we'll let you decide. Uh, it looks like a kin. Okay. Okay. It says, uh, Mabuhe, and hello again, you lovely, lovely cast of For What It's Worth. Kind here again to talk about what I imagine would be quite the fun topic. So porn, huh? Well, to me, I don't mind it so much. I have my limits for some kinks, but otherwise, if it doesn't hurt anyone in real life, then it's okay with me. You do you and all that. Roleplay and ERPs? ERPs? Uh, it just means online. Oh, okay. Wouldn't you use I then? Mm. Wasn't E like the 90s? Uh, drawings, <laughs> videos, and such. As long as it looks fun. I'm okay with it. I could look at a well-rendered dr- well drawing <laughs> of a hot naked dog basking under the sun on full display and think, damn, that's one hot dog. Ugh. and not be bothered by it maybe it's because nudity for me is fine and not a big issue especially when fur is involved but porn stopped being a big deal for me and then it says shrugs that being said i'm in a strange position when it comes to porn see i do like furry porn it can be kinky fun cute or hot but for whatever reason i can't get behind human porn it just doesn't turn me on the same way furry porn does 
Heck, if you put together two similar drawings, one furry and one not, I'd always prefer the furry because, to me, it looks more superior, even if the art quality is the same. Maybe it's because I find humans aesthetically boring, or when drawn it feels too vanilla, but looking at it can be dull. Another, I guess, beef I have with porn is that while I don't mind it, it doesn't turn me on. Not without a story of some sort. A picture alone is alright, but if the artist or myself adds some sort of story alongside it, it's just that. It's not hot without context, for me at least, which is probably also why I prefer roleplay to watching it or drawing it. Is there something wrong with me, or are there others who feel similar to how I feel? I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter as well as the episode this comes out on, and I wish you all a very furry and cookie-filled day. Cheers, kind. P.S. Mabuhe means welcome or greetings in Filipino. Thought I'd let you guys know before I sent an ident next time around. So I completely get where he's coming from, because as far as um, the porn, you know, when, when I'm... Yes, I know. The innocent fox looking at stuff. How terrible. I know. When I look at art. So when I look at look at art, usually what does it for me is when it's a comic of some sort. But um, if it's, I mean, it, I can scroll through a whole bunch of muscly, you know, whatever's going on type pictures. But if there's no story or context to it, it's just like, okay, all right, there's another thing that just came you know oh for sure and and it just starts to blur within everything but if i get some sort of connection to that character then i'm able to put myself in to that character's shoes of some sort or some way and that's what helps me for sure i i totally 100 percent agree on that um my favorite form is comic and I <laughs> would be very embarrassed to admit how many I actually have on my computer. Um, I, I definitely do feel like that emotional bond is more necessary, especially in a medium like this, uh, because you are without any kind of physicality at all. And um, that is probably the strongest way uh, that we can actually gain an emotional link is through two different senses at once. Um, if you're if you're reading a story, it's only on that one level. If you're looking at a picture, it's only on that one level. And if you combine the two, then it's obviously going to be better. It's mm-hmm. going to be the sum of those. And um, I I don't think that it's weird at all. I think there are many many people who feel the exact same way. Last email. Yep. Okay, Misky. Hi, peeps. Misky the Innocent Chinchilla again. Sometimes I feel like a minority when I realize so many people entered the Phantom through their love of furry porn. I'm not really a massive fan of porn in general, but I'd happily draw it, maybe even create it in other ways, if it paid well and made people happy. I even thought of starting a fursona brothel where I'd pimp out the fursonas of willing individuals in artwork. Any whore, yes! Four in one episode. My main problem is with this unfamiliarity with drawing the anatomy and facial expressions required for good porn. Sex faces are hard to draw if you're not a great consumer of pornographic material. I hope I'm not the only one who found the fandom through clean roleplay artwork. Hugs to all, Miski. I did not find a fandom exclusively through porn. I found it through kink, but not through porn directly. So, I don't know if I count. Next. 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 I'm passing the baton. Someone else reply. Oh, oh. Boss. 
<laughs> Thanks. Thank you for that. I'd say that was probably in the minority. I think most have found it through porn. Mm. I'm I'm with you on that, that I found it through a kink, and then it evolved into porn. Mm. So I'm with you on that on tugs. Hmm. I, I'm not, unfortunately. I, I grew up very, very vanilla, so... <laughs> It uh, it took me a while to get up into that, um, so I I doubt that there was any way in uh, in my environment that I would have been able to gain an appreciation through kink, and it was like most through porn. So we have learned a lot about the internet and all the the many facets of what the internet is about, and that's for porn. So, any final thoughts about porn itself in general? It's good. Keep it yeah, up, yeah, all it you is. artists. Yeah, keep it, it up. It really is. <laughs> yes. I definitely encourage people to try and make it a normal part of their lives. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, I mean, almost everybody on the planet uses some form of pornography. And... I think it's time to let go of the facets. That that's something to hide. Yeah. You know, I know that there's some people that are out there that are right now wishing that they sent some sort of an email into us. I mean, especially because they may be on the flip side of this particular uh, story. For sure. We still want to hear from you. So please feel free to send it to us and, and we'll be more than happy to to read that in our mailbag but i agree i'm a little um, disappointed there was nothing to argue against it was all very pro porn everybody yes. was very like yeah porn's amazing Woo! <laughs> well statistically and they would be right out yeah i mean just nuka will will hold that up with facts right so <laughs> keep keep having a healthy and i emphasize the word healthy sexuality mm-hmm. it's good Speaking of mailbag, the mailbag is going to be held for a little bit. We will come back to you, but we're just short on time. Now it's time for this. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping. It's housekeeping time, everybody. Please tell a friend about for what it's worth. If you like the show enough, tell someone else about it. And then they'll tell somebody, and they'll tell somebody else, and then maybe somebody else will join Patreon. And then they'll tell somebody else, and then we'll have six listeners. Comment <laughs> on the site so it makes makes it so that people look like the, I mean, well, wow, wow that it looks like that people care <laughs> about our show. <laughs> wow, that just went down a flame. Uh, flame. And Keep there going. They go. And there they go. Follow us on Twitter, at For What It's Worth. Facebook. Yay. If you use it. Find us on the Google Plus. We are, for what it's worth, amazing. Telegram. Telegram. Please add us on Telegram. We have a chat. What's that at? We don't. Well, the link's on our show site front page. You must be 18 to join. If you are not 18, we understand that it sucks not to be 18. We don't like lawyers more than we want to talk with you. That's just reality. Once you're 18, we really want to talk with you. The link's on our show page. It'll still be there unless someone else ruins it for you. (laughs) So what is this about vote for Ursa Major? You're skipping the previous item. Oh. Hi, cast member. Boss, how are you? Hello, Rue. Hi, I wanted to say 
Thank you for coming last minute today. I appreciate your contribution. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Tugs, thank you for all of your hilarious antics. All right. Thank you also to Firebreath for wonderful announce work. And Koru, although he wasn't with us today because of scheduling, we do appreciate everything he does because he does the things we don't like doing, like wrapping cables and generally keeping us in line. And you know what? I want to put a thanks to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Poor porn. Oh, here it is. <laughs> I like being Ah. Uh, so, a vote for Ursa Major. If you think that our show is... Um, good enough to win um the furry awards please please um vote and even if you don't feel like that we should receive this particular award please feel free to vote for anything that's there please support ursa major they also have a paypal that's there as well to to help um make the awards happen yep but be sure you're on our patreon before you give them money <laughs> just saying <laughs> So, Tugs, what is this next episode? Our next episode is one you've heard us talk about off and on, but we are actually going to go ahead and do it, because why not? We've done things like this before. Our next episode will be Zoophilia versus Bestiality and its relationship with the fandom. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Whoa. That's a pretty heavy topic. We do those sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. so what do we want to hear from people? Well, what do you think of zoophilia and or bestiality to you? Are they one? Are they the same? Do you know the difference? Does it constitute something horrible, awful, immoral? You shouldn't do it. Is it rape? Is it heinous? Or do you not care? Are you into it? Why? We want to hear everyone's position on this. And we will put it out on the air. Okay. And so I, I want to put a warning out there to everybody that if you... Um, you know, if you're not into this particular topic, you know, please feel free to skip skip this particular next episode. Just like you can with any episode. Exactly. Facts are good, though, so please don't be afraid to be informed about what other people are thinking. So I want to thank again for um, Fenric for coming on (laughs) our show. (laughs) And um, so once again, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? And your fabulous porn. Oh, uh, okay. So uh, there is my Telegram, which okay. is just at Fenric, F-E-I-N-R-Y-K. Um, and there's my Tumblr, uh, kitsukami.tumblr.com, K-I-T-S-U-K-A-M-I. I'm going there now. <laughs> well, once again, thank you for, for joining us. Oh, I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Oh, <laughs> what? Uh-uh. I'm going to bookmark this for later. He's looking at my page. <laughs> oh, my. What? So, this has been Rue. This is Tugs. This is Voss. I'm Fenric. And this has been For, for What, what it's, it's Worth. God, how do you know how to do that? Because he listens. I've listened. <laughs>